This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson on this side of the RVA, on the west side. On the east side, I've got... Brian Siegler. How's it going, buddy? Hey, buddy. Used to be a saying when we used to work together in corporate. When technology works, it is wonderful. Yep. I mean, wonderful. But when that shit messes up, dude... <laughs> it hamstrings you a little bit. Just a little bit, man. We had planned on starting this recording about, what, 35 minutes ago? Give or take 35 minutes ago, but due to some technical issues, half of my cocktail is now gone. I was was working diligently on this end trying to get things going. I've only consumed about a quarter of mine. The good news is I did grab a uh, tall boy ham, so I have a little bit more than I'm used to. Backup is ready. Backup is ready. Awesome. Well, guys, um, Brian, how you been, man? Me and you've been texting and having a lot of fun the last few days. You been good? I'm good, man. Uh, we've been uh, we've been throwing some uh, some names back and forth. I would say that that would be the the, the the polite way to put it. We've been throwing a lot of names back and forth and uh, some heavy Tons. debate on a couple things. Um, so, oh, for sure, man. Oh, for in, sure. In, in case y'all didn't know, it's a uh, defense Mount Rushmore week. So it is. Welcome. But uh, welcome. <laughs> but before we get into that and the stories of how this list was comprised, got a few things I want to hit. First of all, Brian, before I get into the football stuff, have you watched Shit's Creek? I have not. I've, I, it's on the list. Um, everybody says it's hilarious, so I'm sure I'll get to it. Holy God, hilarious. Me and the wife, uh, about 10 days ago, we were kind of like, okay, what can we find new? We've been watching some more dramatic, dramatic stuff. So, like, oh, let's get away. And and we both had heard of it. Like, let's do it. We're, like, into season four. Dude, hilarious show. Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara. I mean, just crack you up. Um, Chris Elliott's in it. And it is worth it. It's one of those things where there have been several nights where it's like, Right at 10, which normal time we go to sleep. And we're like, you want to try and get two more in before we go to bed? <laughs> like, yeah, let's go. So awesome show. Check it out. 
I'm about to do it, man. We've been watching uh, last night. We caught like the first couple episodes of Waco, and then um, a couple episodes of Westworld. We're, we're playing catch up on Westworld. So yeah, I know um, you've always always been big into Westworld. It's something when I cut the HBO, I uh, lost the access to. So wah, wah, wah. that's sad. <laughs> did, did you do that right after Game of Thrones? Exactly. <laughs> We we have occasionally added it back for a series or two, like for one month um, here and there. Uh, so you know, but it is what it is. Sometimes you got to make budget cuts for certain reasons. Very but, true, man. Uh, Very true. But you you know who is going to have some bigger budgets in the future? Well, man, it looks like uh, collegiate athletes are going to be uh, able to take some money for sponsorships and autographs and use of their likeness uh looks like the ncaa is moving forward with that what do you think buddy um it's it's pretty wild man as i take a look at it and i start seeing like some of the tweets that went out you know from uh, like michael drake uh gene smith val ackerman um you know the big one was throughout the effort to enhance support for college athletes the ncaa was relied upon considerable feedback from an engagement of our members, including student-athletes from all three divisions, allowing promotions and third-party endorsements is uncharted territory. But it seems like they want to modernize the game. They're giving each division to January 2021 to come up with their plans. Um, Something that you said would be the most beneficial and the easiest way to go um, as far as paying the players, you have been on that boat, I, I feel like, for the last 10 years. It's the so path of least resistance because, for the most part, anybody that's not in a NCAA-sanctioned sport has been able to do this forever, whether it's running their own um, you know, seminars or you know, whatever it is in, in, in their field, camps, things like that. But these these athletes have not been able to, to use their abilities, their status, whether it be because of because of football or because of their talents in football or basketball or whatever it may be. Um, you're going to start start seeing them able to, to profit off that. Um, it looks like they're not going to be able to use um, any sort of school related paraphernalia when they are doing any of these endor- endorsements or things like that. So I think that's good because it takes the branding of the individual school away from them as, as being a, uh, a platform. So I think that's, that part of it's good. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out um, at the conference level. Once they put their proposals out there of how they're going to handle it. We've talked about this before, obviously oversight is going to be a big part here because the players seem are, are going to have to disclose any endorsements that they have to the NCAA and any money taken under the table can can result in fines, suspensions, et cetera, by by the NCAA. Um, yep. Whether it's you know fines towards the school because it was a directly booster related, and then obviously the student athlete would probably be hit at least with some sort of suspension as well. Yeah. Another big piece about this, and it and you talk about how is it going to look under the table. Um, well, taxes. If you're doing this and you're selling your image and your likeness, you're now going to get taxed. So somebody goes out there and, uh, you know, I'm looking up here on the wall and I see Terrace View. You know, Trey Turner does a deal with Terrace View Apartments in Blacksburg to be their spokesman. 
they pay him three thousand dollars. Awesome. Hey Trey, guys, uh, the government wants their money, and yeah. if you don't pay, could could we potentially see? And I laugh at this, and this is a complete joke, but it's still funny. Could we potentially see an an athlete in their junior season who hasn't paid taxes for two years? Uh, he's going to be in jail during the season. Why? Uh, tax evasion. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully with this, there'll be some more folks hired on staff to help these guys figure that out. Um, but let me ask you this, Brian, just from a Hokies perspective, uh, I've got five names listed here. Who do you feel like are the five guys that could definitely reap benefits of this endorse- of this next year with endorsements? So right out the gate, I mean, just in terms of the their persona and things like that, I think you, you've got to say Trey, you got to say Dax, you got to say probably Hennon Hooker just for because of the status as a quarterback and big playability. I'd probably put out uh, James Mitchell and Caleb Farley. All right, names right out the gate. Who you got? I'm three of five on that. I'm Trey, I'm Dax, I'm Hendon, but I think Brock. Yeah, um, Brock was going to be my next name, so that's, yeah. that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> but, but the other guy would be Devin Hunter because of the prize recruit. If he comes out this year and he balls, five-star, now he's killing it at Rover, Oh, he's going to get so much. So so all the Hokie fans listening to 757 that have some extra you know, small businesses, hey, <laughs> call up Devin. Get him, get, him, get him some money. Um, but, yeah, but I think it's a good thing. Um, so, you know, all you in know, all, we're, we're heading in that direction. And you know what? It's also part of my longstanding plan. If they start getting paid eventually, we're going to draft players. He wants the draft. Curtis wants the NCAA draft. Hey, we're going to do an episode <laughs> on that at some point in time. We're, you're going you're to find all those text messages over the last, like, four years of my grand scheme, which you have agreed could potentially work. Um, I mean, yeah. guys, it's going to be probably the longest episode we've ever recorded if we ever get into it, just because <laughs> I can't I can't count the number of texts I've got on this. But he does actually have a plan that's thorough enough that it's just convoluted enough that the NCAA would th- say, hey, that's good, because, you know, the NCAA doesn't always make the best choices either. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Well, well, speaking of draft, man, um, a certain guy from the Hokies got drafted last uh, weekend. Last Rambo. Rambo. Pick 101 to the New England Patriots. Ouch. Uh, yeah, so that that's stinging me a little bit. I mean, it's going to be – I'm going to have to probably back off a little bit of my – the Colts and anyone the Patriots are playing philosophy going forward just because of Keen. But uh, I do want to pat myself on the back a little bit on this. You called it a few, a few episodes back. Somebody said that, you know, based on the combine and based on this player's versatility, Dalton Keen was a late day two possibility. And uh, yeah, late day two, right on the money. You did nail it, man. And now <laughs> Dalton's going to have himself some money. Um, I, I, I seriously um, am not joking about this. Him going to the Patriots, his athletic ability, how he blocks, how he catches, how he does so many things so well. I mean, I think within a few years, he could be potentially one of the best tight ends in the league. 
he's got that potential. Like I said, he, he catches everything in his area. He's great after the catch, and he's great at blocking in space, and he's good enough at blocking in line from a tight end perspective as well. So, I mean, there's nothing that he does bad. There's, there's not a part of his game that's a weakness, and he's got a few of those that are really good strengths, like I said, with catching and, and the run after the catch, blocking in space. So I think he's he's really going to ascend if – um, especially knowing the Patriots and how they get the most out of the players that are, you know, smart enough and capable enough to to take advantage of that. So, absolutely, we shall see. Yep. One other hokey, pretty quick, got undrafted. Uh, Reggie Floyd heading to the Cards. What is it about NFC West teams taking Virginia Tech safeties that aren't the 49ers, Even though we had Exum <laughs> for a few years, so. You know, NFC yeah, I mean, love Virginia Tech safeties. They do, they do. You know, really, the they they've loved uh, Virginia Tech players in general. You know, they drafted uh, Tap. Yeah. Um, they drafted Cam. I mean, yeah, it's the NFC West. Really, you see them have Hokies in there a lot. I mean, Exum got brought in as a free agent with the Niners, and he stuck three years. He started some games. Um. Last year he was getting cut back and forth on and off, but I mean, I mean, Exxon's been in the league six years, so good for good for him, good for Reggie getting signed. Um, Brian, how you feel about the Colts draft? A little personal here. Yeah, I feel really good. I feel really good. I thought the uh, you know taking Taylor in the second with that second pick in the second round was a little. I didn't see it coming, but I like it the more I look at it because I think we're in a situation now where we're not going to you know, re-sign any sort of running back at this point. We're going to draft a guy in the first three or four rounds um, every three or four years and then back him up with, you know, veteran cast-offs that are that still got something left in the tank. I don't think we're going to be re-signing a running back to any sort of lucrative deal at this point. So I thought that was good. You know, we hit some neat positions. We didn't probably get as much of a pass rush that I would like to see. But other than that, I think we filled all our – all of our uh, all our boxes there. So, what about you, buddy? Um, I'm going to give my Niners a B plus that could be an A minus, and and I'm going to get into that in just a second. But we got Javon Kinlaw, second rated defensive tackle out of South Carolina. It immediately slips into Buckner's place where he gave to y'all for 18 million dollars less. I'm excited about that. We had um, the cap room, so I'm cool with it. <laughs> y'all had the cap room, and we wanted a higher pick. It all worked out for everybody. Y'all are getting yep. a beast. Um, Brand Ayuk from um, Arizona State, and I, I mean, we'd been doing some mock drafts on a couple of those uh, websites, and a lot of fun. And he had always fell out right outside the second round, or right outside the first round, the early second. And when they got him, I was like, first I was like, uh, kind of stinks. We missed on CD. We didn't get Jerry. We took Ken Law, which makes me think Ken Law was so high on the board you can't turn that down. But then I started watching his tape and some highlights, and it's like, oh, I see why Kyle Shanahan wants him. This is scary for the NFC West. Um, the other three guys I'm going to mention, because we had a small draft, uh, Colt McKevitts out of West Virginia, the offensive tackle. But I think I see their scheme of they're going to find mid-level offensive zone tackles in college and try to slip them inside as long as they've got a nasty streak. Charlie Warner, big block and tight end out of Georgia, and big receiver Jawan Jennings out of Tennessee. But the biggest move we made um, – was after, you know, until they found out probably a couple of days before, Joe Staley retired, makes me sad. They go out and get the best 
offensive tackle in his own scheme for a third and a fifth in Trent Williams, and he's got something to prove. If, there we, you go. Get him, if we get him extended, this draft is an A minus because uh, we immediately fill two needs, or actually immediately fill three needs. Um, so I feel great about it, man. Good for y'all, buddy. Good for y'all. Yeah, I feel really good about what we did. Like I said, we filled in some holes. I think we're going to, you know, I think we got a good good value for Eason um, where we took him. If he ends up playing behind Phillip for one or two years and could be the next guy up, so that could be big. If not, we didn't waste anything with a fourth-round pick, so not going to get all broken up about that. So I, I think we're good to go. Awesome. Um, did you see uh, see uh, DJ Harvey's uh, top five came out a few days back? I did, big guy, um, along with uh, some heavyweights in Texas and USC and uh, another in-state guy for him, another West Coast with Cal in Oregon. Um, I, I'm going to mention a couple things because I don't know if you got to read the 247 article where he went through each of the uh, each of the schools, kind of what he likes, a lot about coaches. But there was one thing that he mentioned about Virginia Tech he did not mention about the other two places. And we see his dad. His dad seems to really care about his son. But he's not boisterous. He, he he a lot of encouraging tweets for not only his son but the entire 2021 class. But the three things: first of all, he says VT's family atmosphere. He did not mention family atmosphere in any of the other four schools. He did not. He did not. Huge. And when you hear about it talked in that way, that says something. Also, we're showing the commitment to him. The Zoom call. Yeah. Was it, was it Justin Fuente, Ryan Smith, and Justin Hamilton? I believe so. No. Dude, it was everybody on staff. Oh. The entire staff was there for him. Wow. And then um, he talked about just how upfront and honest we are with him. They, they potentially like him doing things on both sides of the ball. Um, and he says that honesty up front. You know, they talked to him, comparing him like what a Dory Jackson did. So – that that makes me those three comments and you know he liked the other schools talked about the coaches but those three things kind of stuck out to me yeah that's big and and like you said I mean his dad has been he's on Twitter a lot but he's like like you said very positive and I I don't see a whole lot of other heavily complimentary things said about the other school from him like I see him talking about Virginia Tech and so that's got to that's got to make us feel feel pretty good even if you know, obviously, it's going to be uh, ultimately DJ's decision as to where he goes. But I feel like we've got a we we've definitely made our impression on on the dad, and I think that's really going to go go far for us. Hopefully, yes, sir. All right, well, Brian, let's get to it, man. <laughs> the Hokie Mount Rushmore uh, for defense. For defense, this this, this was. Uh, let's set oh. the stage, man. You want to set the stage for us? Well, let's set the stage that, first of all, before we, as we started discussing this as an episode with offense and defense, we said, let's do offense first. That won't be as tough. <laughs> defense is going to be insane. It's going to be a nightmare because you got, everybody's got their favorites, but also this the sheer number of talented guys that we've had. And, and like, you know, yeah. Every, every time you listen to your name, you're like, Damn, I got to move somebody down and move somebody up, and it just kept oh, going, man. So brutal. It, well, and, and we kind of started talking about it last Wednesday after the uh, episode dropped Tuesday. We were texting, and then on draft night, you know, me and Brian FaceTimed. Um, 
your wife called us FaceTiming. My wife laughed at it on Facebook. It was pretty funny. Yeah. We're, what, I, about nine? We, were, we were both drinking beer, watching the draft, and debating who was going to be on The Rock, who was going to be honorable mention, and who we were just going to talk about for a little bit. Yeah, but but here's the thing. That night, so we're FaceTime, we're chatting, and me and Brian both had lists. And we just start reading. And we kept reading. And we kept talking. And we kept going. While watching the draft, kind of laughing at a couple picks, like, why did they do that there? Okay, okay, move on. In the end, it was, Brian, we were what, we were borderline 25 players, and we're going to go through these guys in a few minutes here. And then over the course of the next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and um, Monday, we finally uh, – kind of came down to it we were texting back names and some stats and here's some good articles and read on this and read on that and um before we even get to the honorable mentions um we're just going to go through the list and it shows it really shows how in the history of this school how great the damn defense has been and uh Brian, I'm going I'm to give you the honor this week, sir. So I'll let you start with just the guys on the outside. These are just the guys on the outside of the honorable mention and Hokies and uh, Mount Rushmore, Hokie Stone looking in. Oh, hold on. Um, Before he starts, fans, yep. don't hate us for anything we're doing today. This was difficult. We dare you to try it. <laughs> we're going to probably ask you to try it, but let's let's start off with, <laughs> for, out the gate. Um any any RVA guy is going to probably be like, what the hell are you doing? But outside of uh, our honorable mentions, we got Macho Harris, Highland Springs High School in the RVA, two-time first-team All-ACC. Ended up with a fifth-round draft pick to the Eagles. Unfortunately, didn't, uh, didn't work out for him there, but, I mean, one of the great all-time Hokies that we're talking about here. Um you know, also on that list, we had Brandon Flowers out of the Delray Beach Pipeline that Virginia Tech has established. Two-time All-American, second-round pick, earned a Pro Bowl in 2013. Next up, and this is going to sting a little bit for our uh, our Southside Virginia um, listeners, but uh, Tremaine Edmonds, first-team All-ACC. First round draft pick to the Buffalo Bills, and he earned a Pro Bowl in 2019. Only his second year. He wasn't even 21, right? Yeah. He just turned 21 when he uh, crazy when he got the Pro Bowl. It's it, it's crazy to think about, man. Um, next up, Kyle Fuller, and there's going to be a trend here um, for the, uh, the the Fuller name. I'm gonna I'm gonna run three off here pretty quick. Uh, obviously Maryland native. He went to Mount St. Joe's high school, was a two-time all ACC, was a one-time second team, all American first round draft pick to the bears, two-time pro bowler. And, uh, he got his first, uh, first team all pro in 2018. Next up, Kendall, Maryland native, obviously, uh, our lady <laughs> at Kansel high school, two-time all ACC. One-time second-team All-American, third-round draft pick. Super Bowl 54 champion that was uh, sealed with his uh, interception. Uh, sorry, Curtis, on oh, that one. <laughs> um, it's all good, though. 
good, man. It's all good. All right, next up, we got uh, the, the last Fuller uh, defensive brother, uh, Vincent Fuller. Um, Woodlawn High School played a key role in that 04 ACC championship team that we're all uh, really fond of here. <laughs> uh, versatile player, cornerback, and also played in free safety, was a fourth-round pick, spent seven years in the NFL. Good all-around player, you know, mostly a role player in the NFL, but did, you know, did his job for seven years there. Um, next up, uh, Willie Pyle, Northern Virginia, West Potomac High School, standout player on the defense from 2000 to 2002, second team All Big East in 2002, seventh round draft pick to the Chiefs. Next up, Tyrone Drakeford, South Carolina native. Out of North Central was a key secondary, key, key member of the secondary in those uh, early good Frank squads, uh, career leader in interceptions at Virginia Tech, second round draft pick, and uh, won Super Bowl 29 with the 49ers. Yes, sir. Next to last here, we got Chris Ellis, uh, Bethel High School product. So we got a 757 representative here. Uh, he was key part about the, of those defenses in the uh, the mid two thousands that were just so good. Um, first team All ACC in two thousand eight and drafted by the Bills in the third round. And uh, last on my my list here um, is going to be uh, Frank Loria, the OG of DBU. Played in the secondary, returned punts, played beside a. Uh, a famous other uh, Frank that we uh, all know and love. I don't know if you're aware of whom I'm talking about. Yes, sir. <laughs> but uh, this Frank was a two-time All-American, and tragically, uh, unfortunately, I, I don't. I, I know most of you guys know the story here, but uh, he was on the plane in 1970 um, that was carrying the uh, the Marshall football team when that plane crashed. Uh, so unfortunately, we didn't get to see what type of coach he was going to become. But uh, definitely one of the all-time great Hokies. All right, so I'm going to finish off the list, guys, because we're still not done with guys just on the outside that we talked about so much for the last few days. I'm going to start with Ike Charlton, Orlando, the Florida to VT connection that started way back when, part of the 99 team. He was a first-team All-American, second-round draft pick, played in the league for six years. Vince Hall. Western Branch out of 757, first team all ACC in 06. One of the big leaders of one of the greatest defenses of all times that we ever saw in school history. Won the Dudley in 2006. John Engelberger, 99 oh, yeah. teams, the pit balls. Springfield, High, Springfield, Virginia Lee High School, three time all Big East, first team, second time, second All American. Second round pick of the 49ers. Had an eight-year career. Yeah. Cody Grimm, Oakton High School up in Northern Virginia. The Grim Reaper. Grim Reaper. Yes, sir. 2009, all first-team ACC, all third-team All-American, Dudley winner. Guy we overlook a lot of times. Um, also a whip. Uh, Deep Creek, James Anderson out of Chesapeake. Definitely – you can say in, in, in when he was in school, probably overshadowed by Vincent and, and Xavier by his running mates, but great whip. Third round pick. James played the league nine years. He just retired a couple years ago. Yeah, that's crazy, um, man. 
Torian Gray, Lakeland, Florida, three-time All-Big East, free safety, second-round pick. That guy retired way too early. His knee messing up in the early part of the 2000s. Um, then, obviously, coaching DBs from 06 to 15 here. Another name, man, Anthony Midget, Clueless, oh, yeah. Florida, third-team All-American, first-team Big East, secondary coach. He's been in a secondary coach in the NFL for six years, man. Um, says a lot about type of player he is. Jason Worlds, Cartier, New Jersey, second team All ACC, 08 and 09, a second round pick to the Steelers. Four years he played. Then he retired abruptly. And Madden Cousins, a huge Steelers fan, I can remember he retired. And he said, dude, he was ready to take over at the end spot. Um, but Jason, I can remember when it happened. Me and you kind of talking about it. He sort of he got his money and he was just like, I'm 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 ready to stop. And so yeah, a couple more guys here. Jaron Hosley, Boynton Beach, Florida, first team All ACC in 2010, second team All American in in, uh, in 2011 for the ACC, first team All American in 2010. That year, a Hokie record nine picks in one season, third round draft pick of the Giants, and this is kind of the guy. Brian, I know I, 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 I we couldn't get him there. <laughs> Maybe over the next few years, when we do this again, he'll wind up. Cam Chancellor, bam, bam. Maury High School, Norfolk, Virginia. Two-star quarterback recruit coming out with just two offers. He played every secondary position at Virginia Tech. Torian Gray said he could be the greatest safety in this program's history. In 2009, second-team All-ACC. A fifth round draft pick of the Seattle Seahawks, four time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ, and a physical freak, a guy who could hit you like a linebacker, but still cover you. And folks, if you really can remember, he laid some hits in college, but I'm going to take one to the program as a Niners fan. Vernon Davis <laughs> going up the sidelines, and it was a good pass, and Clem knocked the shit out of him. <laughs> Sir, I don't think you know, I, I always I always think about that one, man, because they show that one all the time. They I'm do. Like, oh man! And, when you, and I remember as a Niners fan watching that. It was a Monday night. Like I was illegal, dirty, dirty play. And in a second, I'm like, no, that's Cam. Cam no. crushes people with his shoulders. <laughs> so these are the guys just on the outside, um, and these are great players. Me and Brian clearly got to see some of these guys play, and it was tough. But, Brian, we're going to move on. Move All right, on so, so honorable mentions. So I know with the offense episode, we gave you all two honorable mentions, but we felt the defense, we needed four honorable mentions. We needed four guys that we were going to dive a little bit deeper on um, that were going to be off of the rush more for, for defense here. So I'm going to start off here with uh, one of my favorites, Xavier Adibi, so Phoebus High School. Seven five seven uh, led them to their first state championship his junior year, and uh, his senior year there led them to their first undefeated season. So they were back to back state champions. Played both ways. He was a fullback and a linebacker. Um, one of those fullbacks that frequently uh, could go over a hundred yards, and that's not even their primary uh, running back. So that that's that's an impressive stat right there. Um, obviously went to Virginia Tech. Uh, he was the primary backup. At backer, his redshirt freshman year, took the starting role at backer as a sophomore in 2005 and held that role till 2007. Some of the 
best defenses the Hokies have ever had. Uh, had Xavier DB at linebacker and backer. 266 combined tackles. Nine sacks in his collegiate career. He had eight career interceptions and two pick sixes, along with one fumble recovery for a touchdown. Now, if you remember anything about Adibi, Adibi was one of those backers that more than I can remember, he was getting picks. You don't you don't see those backers getting a, a ton of picks, but Adibi just always had a nose for the ball, always seemed to find it. And that's what I loved about him, loving watching him play, because he could, he could get out there and cover. Absolutely. He was good at baiting the quarterback into throwing his direction, and I love that. Um, in his career, he was a second-team All-ACC in 2006, first-team All-ACC in 2007, AFCA All-American in 2007, and uh, instance of the, uh, the little brother showing out more than big brother Nathaniel here, because Nathaniel <laughs> was a hell of a player at defensive end for us. Um, he was. But uh, Xavier came in there and, and definitely uh, you know took that one step further and uh, as, as we know, the Hokies like to keep it in the family. So we get, we got a lot of a lot of brothers here that are on these squads. So yep. nice to seeing uh, seeing another one go out there and show out. Um, you know, drafted uh, to the Texans, um, played several seasons in the NFL, and now he's coaching. So that, that that's our first one there, Xavier DB. Yeah, man, he was just. We got to go to so many of his games when we were like in college, and he was such a physical freak. I mean, you talk about all the picks he had. And again, it's that set of brothers that keep playing at Tech, man. And uh, you know, it, I mean, him and Hall just just unbelievable combination there in the middle for those those seasons. But uh, I got one for you from that time frame, man. All right, let's hear it, man. Jimmy Williams. Oh man, little oh, baby, six three, two hundred ten pounds, defensive back. Hampton, Virginia, out of Bethel High School, started his career off as a free safety backup at Willie Powell. We've already mentioned Willie. Willie had some hell of an accolades. Um, and he took over that position in 2003 from Willie. So he was part of that 2003 team. And then in 2004, um, he was moved to corner. And Brian, as me and you had this conversation, he started excelling. And, 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 and this is one of those things that's put out there. Um, you mentioned it to me, and we were kind. And I was just reading and doing some research and watching some tape. Some people consider, and and if he's not the best, he is. He's right there as maybe the best cover corner to ever play this position at Tech. Yeah. Um, he started at safety, so he would lay a lick when he had to. By some of those old films, he popped guys on the sidelines, man. But there's two there's two plays that stick out to me. And um, and luckily, doing all this, we're reading old articles, and these were I think I Bill Roth brought these up. Two plays. You guys go back and look at the 2004 year. He walked down Alvin Pierman for UVA. He was on the opposite side corner, and he walked him down and saved a touchdown. You watch it, and you just see him. He starts going by guys, and it's like. Oh my God, he's going to catch it. And he caught him. Insanity. And then in the Sugar Bowl that same year against Auburn, just this beautiful, just the beautiful coverage, the hips flowing back. 
and then he just he cut that little it was a little hook pattern, little comeback pattern, and he just got right there, laid out, and makes the catch. Um, although we didn't score on that drive, it was a momentum swinging driver down sixteen nothing. Hokies score thirteen unanswered, falls short. And if if you go back and look at the history books, that play got us in field goal range, and Brandon Pace missed a short field goal. So what could have been, um, yep. you know, uh, nine career interceptions in 2005 was the year, man. Unanimous, unanimous first team All-American. He was a finalist not only for the Thorpe, he was also a finalist for the McGursky that year. And then later in 2000, in the draft in 2006, second round pick of Atlanta. So uh, Jimmy Williams. Man, what, what more can you say about that? I mean, I just remember watching Jimmy. I'm like, when he moved to corner, that was the move that really kind of, I think, set things off in terms of those defenses that came in those mid-2000s, man, because it went from, like, you just couldn't throw on him. With, with, with Jimmy Not out there and you had Macho coming in, I mean, it was just crazy. It was crazy, dude. It was crazy. And, and I just remember those defenses so fondly, man. I've got another one for you. Who got? Who's up? So, obviously, y'all know that I have a, a great affinity for Mr. Daryl Tapp. So, uh, that's going to be the next one on the uh, on the list here is Daryl Tapp. Deep Creek High School product. Lettered in football, basketball, and track. you got to love those multi-sport athletes, man. Yes, sir. Um, for us, he played a special team and reserve role from uh, 2002 to 2003. Um, memorably, he had the, uh, the fumble recovery for the touchdown against UVA in 02. Yes, sir. And we chronicled that a couple, uh, episodes ago. So, uh, took over the starting role in 2004 and that's, that's when things started to happen. Um, because Daryl Tapp, once he got in there, he outworked you and he punished you. And. He took his 2004 campaign and, and took it even a step further in 2005 where he had a career year. Um, but, again, the most important thing is that I look at Daryl Tapp as kind of like the Jake Grove of the uh, of the defense. He is the epitome of lunch pail, so much so that he got to keep it. He didn't let it go. No, he didn't. He wasn't giving it back. Never gave it back. Never but he would outwork it. you, and he would out-hustle you, and he would go in there and just – he wasn't giving up until he got the job done. His worth ethic at Virginia Tech just remains legendary. Um, in terms of numbers, he had career stats, uh, 175 tackles combined, um, combined 23 and a half tackles for loss, 13 sacks, three forced fumbles, punt block, punt return for a touchdown. He was a two-time All-ACC first team in 04 and 05. And as I've said, my personal all-time favorite Hokie, uh, taking in the second round to the Seattle Seahawks, 11-year NFL career as both a starter and a rotational player. Um, and obviously current member of uh, the Hokies coaching staff, TNT. Yes, he is, man. So, I mean, just, again, my all-time favorite Hokie player and somebody that, uh, you know, every time I see him, every time he even uh, – likes or retweets some of my stuff on Twitter, I'm like, oh, man, that's the stuff right there. <laughs> You're right, man. And Daryl Tapp was the heart and soul of that Munchvale defense in those glory years. Um, 
and it's awesome having him back on staff. And, and dude, again, we, we've mentioned this in episodes before. We got the opportunity to meet him, and he talked to us for four or five minutes with his kid hanging out back. And we, we joked about the lunch pail. He took, he was so gracious to taking the photos with us. Um, and it's, it's, it's on my Twitter timeline somewhere. And I'm, I'm so tempted to repost it all the time because he's, he is that guy. And when, when they had him to the staff this year, you talk about if there's anybody slacking in the, oh, yeah. oh God, I'm sorry <laughs> for them. All right, man. So we got one more before we get to the Mount Rushmore. Um, and y'all just this is how damn good again we've been on defense. So many great players, different programs. Um, but it, it it has to start somewhere, and that's Cornell Brown. He was one of the first big Virginia recruits that chose the Hokies. And Frank always said it was the turning of the tide in the state of the recruiting. Six years into his tenure. Six foot defensive end out of EC Glass in Lynchburg at the Woo. time. He was ranked number two in the state when he committed. He was number six in the mid-Atlantic region. Um, you kind of do the math. That basically probably made Cornell roughly a top 50 player at worst. Um, as a freshman part of the 93 team that started the bowl streak um, and probably one of the biggest leaders of the 95 Sugar Bowl win that really put this program into national prominence. Um 95, unanimous All-American, 103 tackles that year, 14 sacks, the Big East Defensive Player of the Year. And then 96, uh, All-American again, even though he missed three games, um, 36 sacks in his career, Dudley Award winner, um, got drafted by the Ravens, was on their Super Bowl team as a key reserve special teams player, played seven total years um, in you know, there's always a spot. And in, in, in 90, 93 with getting him was that upward trend for Tech. Um, and the question is, and I'll ask you and just kind of put it out there for the Hokie fans. If we land some of the guys who are on the top end this year, is that sort of the brawl breakthrough for Justin Fuente as Cornell was for Frank? Um so, you know, I like to put those correlations out there. But, uh, but, but Brian, what do you got on uh, this guy? Yeah, I mean, there, you said a lot about Cornell, and I think the, the biggest thing that we're talking about here is that he was the one that kind of brought the, the, the tide in for the Hokies in terms of recruiting and in terms of getting that ball rolling to take the step from good team to we're going to compete for Big East titles every year. We're going to punch you in the mouth because that's what we do on both sides of the ball, but particularly on defense. Um, he, he's the guy that kind of started all that. And I think that's, that that's what you got to say about him in terms of just establishing a tradition, establishing an identity for that defense. That's what Cornell Brown was all about. So th- that that's the big thing that I want to take away from that is that he was the guy that kind of started the traditions that we're still celebrating right now. And, uh, Unfortunately, just outside of the the big four for us in terms of our, our deliberations, which I know is going to be uh, probably a sore spot for some folks because we've already had some folks um, some people jumping in on uh, on Twitter as far as what where they want to go, and Cornell seems to be one of the ones that keeps popping up. Exactly, and you know, and 
and then this again, this was tough, man. But uh, we're but we're here, <laughs> and uh, we are at the Rushmore. We have went past wonderful memorials to get here. Yep. But Brian, so should I should I lead off here? Should I lead you, off? You let me lead with Mr. Vic. I shall let you lead, sir. Okay. Well, my first one is the biggest no-brainer in the history of Virginia Tech sports. <laughs> Bruce Smith. The sack man. Yes, sir. Booker T. Washington High School, Norfolk, 757. Um, didn't really uh, focus much on football until uh, his later part of high school, but once he did, that thing really took off for him. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he literally redefined um, the position of defensive end uh, <laughs> when, when he was going to tech and everything. I mean, before that, there wasn't guys that had linebacker speed at the rush in position and he comes in 22 sacks in his junior year alone. Good God. First team, all American selection that year, somehow senior year, he outdid that. He was consensus, all American selection that year and Outland trophy winner. That's a big one. So, uh, draft in 85, you know where he went, buddy? Um, that would be Uno, Uno, (laughs) Yes, sir. 1-1. One, one. <laughs> first overall pick to the Buffalo Bills. Um, took the hype of being the first overall selection and turned it into 11 Pro Bowls, eight first-team All-Pros, two second-team All-Pros, two-time defensive uh, NFL Player of the Year, four-time AFC Defensive Player of the Year, and uh, the all-time sack record with 200 sacks. Um, he was also named to the uh, 100th anniversary all-time team. So we're talking about one of the greats to ever lace them up here, not just in Hokie history, but in, in terms of all professional football. Um, and he had one of the best lines in Little Giants. <laughs> Let me see your game faces. <laughs> that That's second only to, it's a couch cushion, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Brian, you, you pretty much, I mean, what more can be said for him? Um, he is a tech player, um, of his stature that still reigns. I mean, we weren't old enough to see him play at Virginia Tech. We weren't, we were in freaking diapers when he was there, but we got to see him play in the NFL and you got to see how dominant he was. And also the one thing you got to love about Bruce is, I mean, he's always there. Bruce is always in Blacksburg on game day. He continues to support program, which is just awesome. I'm hoping one of these years, man, when me and you make that trek up 64, then cut, take a left, down 81, back down 460 into the uh, Smoke Mountains, that we get to meet him. And I, I, I can't say much more, man. It's just Bruce Smith. He's at the front. He's the 1-1. There is no question that he is um, the greatest defensive player in Virginia Tech history. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. Um, I'll let you go with number two here, and this one shouldn't be too much of a surprise either. Shouldn't be a surprise to anyone either. Also a defensive end. Corey Moore. Oh, yeah. Defensive end, six foot, 225 pounds. Um, Corey came to us, Virginia Tech, from Holmes Junior College in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, Corey was actually originally set to enroll in Ole Miss, um, 
but right about that time he was going to enroll is when one of the bigger scandals broke down there. Um, so he kind of backed off. He almost, you know, called it quits from playing football, which is kind of crazy thing because he was going to go to an SEC school and, you know, he goes to a junior college. Um, about that time, Charlie Wiles comes in. Charlie had some connections in the area. Charlie got him up here. And, um, you know, the number 56 was kind of quiet his first couple of years. Um, but then in 1998, he absolutely exploded on the scene. 13 half sacks, all Big East first team, defensive player of the year. Um, a couple interviews he talked about when they played, they lost to UVA in 98. Um, but there were some conversations about when they went to the Music City Bowl about how he want, the way he wanted to take his seniors out. They shouldn't go out like that. And then they preferably went out, stomped Mudhole in Alabama 38 so, nothing. But then, man, 1999 came. Yes, it does. Because those eyes, when those eyes zoned in, he was going to come for the quarterback's head and try to kill them. And Clemson's Brandon Streeter <laughs> naturally became his first victim on that wonderful Thursday night affair in Lane Stadium. When Bill Roth considers it the hat trick, the strip, the sack, the fumble recovery touchdown. His total stat line just for that night, Brian. Go back and look at it. I mean, we've we've watched that game, and you see the replays, and it's crazy. Two sacks, four tackles for loss, five hurries, along with the strip sack fumble for a touchdown. That's 11 plays he was in the backfield. (laughs) This was at a time when teams were running between 50 and 60 plays. So he was in the backfield literally a quarter of the time. Um, also that night on the sideline, brother, man, um, the nation watching, he coined something that Lane Stadium, when it is peak, it becomes the Pterodome, baby. Yes, we swarmed. We swarmed. Um, I, I saw a quote from Bud Foster that kind of best summed up what Corey was that year. Um, he was the freak of college football. He was undersized, but no one could block him. He could outblock you at the point of attack, or he'd run by you at the point of attack. Um, that season in general, Brian, 17 sacks, unanimous, unanimous Big East Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, unanimous All-American. Man. Dudley Award winner for the state. Lombardi Award winner essentially says he was the best offensive or defensive lineman in the country. And he won to Nagurski, the best defensive player in the country. 35 career sacks, 58 tackles for loss. He became a third-round draft pick. I mean, only played a few years. And the one big piece about that is they, they tried to make him a linebacker. Yep. Something Bud Foster has said is that wasn't this thing to do. That wasn't Corey. Corey was attacking the edge attacking the quarterback he this had his fist in the dirt and he was coming after you that that was what he wanted yeah. to do this is my opinion my opinion only i think if Corey, i wouldn't even say in today's age but i think if Corey is four to five years later and that would put him around 2000 what four to five i think Corey goes to the league and probably has a nine or ten year career oh yeah what does he what does he do if he was one of those uh 
those attacking four threes and um, yeah, ones where the defensive line, uh, the defensive ends are coming at you. I mean, even like uh, you know the, the Colts had with uh, with Franey and Mathis, man. I mean, I can definitely see him, you know, having having a similar type of uh, similar type of game as to as Franey there. So exactly, but but for him for that 1999 team, I mean, he 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 set it off and. Uh, you know, and all those accolades. And if you ever want some entertainment, folks, just laying around here in COVID-19 crisis, go look up Corey Moore at the Sugar Bowl press conference. Yep. Because he was not having <laughs> any of what the press was doing. <laughs> that crap's hilarious. And then he, he was pulling it, a Lynch before Lynch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, again, great, great player. And uh, Brian will throw it up to you, man. You got a you, you got somebody that uh kind of close to my heart. Yeah, man. So next we're gonna go to uh, Deep Creek High School, another Deep Creek product. It's gonna be Daryl Tapp's best buddy, D'Angelo Hall. Yes, sir. D Hall. D Hall. So what can be said about D Hall? D Hall is the epitome of a playmaker. He was also the epitome of a trash talker, but his play spoke for him too. So. Let's 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 keep it moving. As yeah. a true freshman, he played in all eleven games. He started one game, had thirty-three combined tackles, three picks, three pass breakups. Followed that up with another four with a four interception and a uh, and a forced fumble as a sophomore in uh, in two thousand and two. To go with another forty-four combined tackles and twelve passes broken up. He also had two punt returns for a touchdown. Uh. All right, junior year, took his game to the next level. Three punt returns for a touchdown, had an interception, and uh, took a ball from somebody and took it for a touchdown. Oh, Brian, give it to me, <laughs> Roscoe. I'm crying now. I'm crying. <laughs> Just ripped it from Roscoe's hand and said, nope, nope, this is mine. I'm going to run it in. Anyway. And, uh, you know, there was no throwing his way that junior year. I mean, he was uh, in complete shutdown mode at that point. They were scared to throw his way because of interceptions, but he was also really good at coverage, even though that part of his game didn't do the loudest talking. Um, he also scored two offensive touchdowns that year. They were they used him in uh, about, what, four or five games on offense, mostly in, uh, I think UCF was the game he was used most heavily that year. Yeah. And uh, like I said, scored two offensive touchdowns, you know, special teams, a return man on punts. He was a uh, first team All-American in 2003 and a semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award in 2003. So despite his numbers going down that junior year in terms of interceptions, he was on the national radar in terms of his uh, abilities at corner. So I want to I want to throw that out there that just because those numbers went down didn't mean that his play was going down. He was absolutely in shutdown mode in 2003. And uh, first round pick to uh, to the Atlanta Falcons. We had a three time pro bowler. Um, spent uh, a bunch of years in the league, man, especially with the Washington Redskins and really turned his career around um, after having some really great years with the Falcons out the gate. You know, he went to, to the Redskins, um, played a he few went, years in corner, but then moved, then moved to safety. Yep. And that's something that tells you what kind of football player he was is later in his career. Um, you know, he did make that move, and he made it pretty successful. And uh, and some people, you know, questioned, I'll help 
you know, he'll never come off corners. Now he went to free safety and he played really good. Yeah. He was, he was a great free safety for, he spent about three or four years um, at yeah. free safety after he moved, uh, moved from corner. And, you know, some of his best years obviously were with Atlanta, but, you know, he wasn't getting, uh, getting exactly picked on until, you know, that, that last year or so when he was playing corner for the skins. And when they moved him to free safety, it was a pretty smooth move. And he was able to, you know, take those ball hawking skills that he always had and kind of, you know, play center field a little bit and, um, you know, make some noise that way. And he was always a, a willing hitter. Um, so, you know, moving to safety was definitely a natural fit for him as he, uh, you know, lost a little bit of a step there at the end. Yeah, you're right, man. Uh, you, you said so much. He was a lockdown player. I mean, so special as an athlete, so special. Um, great personality too, man. Um, he loves the school. You see him tweet about it a lot when guys get drafted and guys get paid that are Hokies. You see him talking about it. I mean, I personally would love to see him back in the program in some way. I don't know if he will because he does have that such a dynamic personality and he's making his way up in the uh, NFL world and in the NFL yeah. circles. Yeah. Man, so. But nonetheless, um, in 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 maybe and it can be fought about, but maybe the the greatest defensive back in the school's history. Yeah, um, it can it, it it's arguable because of how many we've named, but ain't much. I think definitely all around athlete at the position, he's at the top, and that's why he's sitting in our our, our Mount Rushmore here. Yes, sir. All right, buddy, we got one more here. This one might not be. As much of a no-brainer as the uh, the previous three, so I'm gonna let you take it away. Oh, you're putting this on me, huh? Yeah. The controversial decision of the uh, of the defensive Mount Rushmore for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Um, well, folks, we, we we went back forth, back forth. So many great players, and, but I, we landed on this guy, Ben Taylor, linebacker out of Bel Air, Ohio. Um. 1998 comes in, starts making his name. And if you're a Virginia Tech Hokie, where do you make your name? Special teams. Yes, sir. Played in every game um, that year, 15 tackles. 1999, big year. Redshirt sophomore year. He is a starter at linebacker. Um, Started for 10 games that season. He finished third on the team in tackles. Five tackles for loss. one sack then he became big time 2000 2001 he accelerated 2000 101 tackles seven tackles for loss one and a half sacks all big east team third team all-american semifinalist for the butkus 2001 he upped it a little more 121 tackles 118 tackles for loss four and a half sacks and a pick all-American again, second team that year, semifinalist for the Buckets Award again. Um, and, uh, again, I, I ran into – when I was doing my research, I ran into a lot of Bill Ross stuff, and I love Bill. And Bill mentions about a hit he has on a Temple player. So I go find it, the VT freak. Uh, God rest his soul. Thank him for doing what he did. And we saw – I saw the hit. Jesus Lord, he's a linebacker. He drops deep into coverage. And then he proceeded to kill the Temple wide receiver's body and soul. It was just awesome. And, Brian, I got to stop there because I had to do some writing more documents. You looked at it. What do you do? What do you do again? 
couple plays later. Oh no, it was back to back plays. They, they went to they went to him twice and both times like so the first one was like an out and that he had yeah. uh, he had he had the flat he had the flat coverage and on the out and uh, he came up and just laid a pop on him and then the next play was looked like a, the uh, wide receiver was running the dig from the slot and as soon as the ball was delivered he just ran up and came from the other side so running towards where the route is being run so running literally freight trains running at each other and he just cleans his clock it was it was it was so fun to watch man <laughs> like ooh, and, and he's one of these guys that is is we were you know talking to some folks and and you, you mentioned ben and and then you kind of mentioned his accolades people were like oh oh god ben did what yeah it was all that yeah he was but but when i think of ben taylor i kind of reflect on the type of player that he is and he's the type of player that built this program. Ben was a three-star, undersized linebacker coming to Ohio when he was recruited. Um, and he built himself. He became a fourth-round draft pick. He spent five seasons in the NFL, four with those Browns, one year with the Packers. And I know this is going to probably be a controversial pick because we have so many great players. But when you think of a guy, we always talk about, you know, the accolades and, you know, but when you when you think of like that was when, when he came in it was 1997 we're off that 95 year those were the players that were still building the program and how he turned himself into a three star undersized to an all american semifinals for buckus getting drafted in the fourth round playing multiple years in the NFL um that's what the program was built on and and that's why I I lobbied, and Brian can tell you I lobbied really hard for Ben to be there. We were, we were several guys who were right on the outside, and that's one of the big reasons I lobbied for him to be. Yeah, he was he was the one that we both had kind of in that what four to six range. Yeah. on our list, and we were like we were throwing back and forth. It was like I think it was him, Cornell, and Jimmy were kind of the yep. the Whoa. three we were debating. We were like, you know based on what Ben did and when he came through and just the accolades, you know, it makes sense because he, he's a linebacker that we can put on there. I mean, all things being equal, you know, that I think that was the tiebreaker for me. I know Curtis had him in there anyway, but the tiebreaker for me was that, you know, I couldn't argue with the numbers relative to, to what, you know, the guys I was comparing him against and we didn't have a linebacker in there. So let's put Ben in there. Absolutely. All right, fans. Um, we got to know yours. So what is your Pokemon Mount Rushmore? It's going to be out. Byron's going to pop it on Twitter as we release the pod. Tell us. And yes, we are already admitting this was tough as hell. We need actually, maybe we should do instead of a Mount Rushmore, Brian, next year, let's do a monument collection where we can put like 19 guys up or, or wait a second. How about we do a Mount Rushmore for every position? Yeah, let's. Uh, I'm gonna shout out uh, our uh, our buddy over there at the uh, Two Minute Drill Field. Um, that was a suggestion on one of the Twitter boards. Yep. Maybe maybe by position. So let let let's let's take a look at that next time. But you know, we uh, you know, when, he, when he said that, I had to drop the uh, the the quote on him from uh, a league of their own. Man, it's the hard that makes it great. <laughs> 
Very true, my friends. Very true. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. So that's why we did it. We did it for you guys. We went out there and we looked through 30 plus names and we said we got to put four on the Hokie Stone, the Mount Rushmore of of Virginia Tech defense, and we did it for you. Yes, we did. So definitely give us yours. Give us your opinions. We look forward to this tomorrow. It's probably going to make my work day go by a hell of a lot quicker about yours too, Brian. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. So that wraps up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. My name is Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegel. We always let our buddy Jason Long play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, your favorite podcast source. And as always, let's go. Okies. Okay.